Welcome to the Missing Chapter Podcast, where you will hear some of the least known, obscure, and entertaining stories the history textbooks left out. Starring Phil Horander and Phil Schaff. Mealtime inspiration. It's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In honor of Thanksgiving and to kick off the Christmas season, the Missing Chapter podcast will be giving away a free coffee mug to one lucky listener. Simply click on the message link on our social media platforms and leave us a voice message. Tell us your name, where you're from, and where you'd like to listen to the Missing Chapter. You will be automatically entered to win. Or simply go to anchor.fm backslash the missing chapter backslash message. That's anchor.fm backslash the missing chapter backslash message. The winner will be announced during our December 18th episode, Foggy Memory, the Empire State Building Tragedy, and on social media. Albert Einstein, born in Germany in 1879, became a theoretical physicist and is widely acknowledged as one of the greatest scientists of all time. Einstein is best remembered for developing the theory of relativity, but he also made important contributions to the development of the theory of quantum mechanics. In life, people marveled at Einstein's brilliance, and his name quickly became synonymous with the term genius. His pioneering work opened doors that scientists didn't even realize needed opening in the areas of math, science, and engineering. The mystery that surrounded him after his death was equally as intriguing. Author Brian Burrell in his 2005 book entitled Postcards from the Brain Museum, writes that Einstein, quote, had left behind specific instructions regarding his remains, cremate them, and scatter the ashes secretly in order to discourage idolaters. When Einstein passed away unexpectedly on April 18, 1955 in Princeton, New Jersey, from an abdominal aortic aneurysm, it began a string of events that Einstein himself would have had trouble fathoming. The pathologist on call, Thomas Stoltz Harvey, proceeded to steal Albert Einstein's brain while performing the required autopsy. Again, Einstein had worried that peers would want to study his brain post-mortem or that admirers in general would want it to idolize or even worship. Harvey removed the brain during the autopsy in the hope of unlocking the secrets of Einstein's genius in the weeks to follow. Subsequently, Harvey was able to get the approval of one of Einstein's sons, but with very specific stipulations. When the fact came to light a few days later, Harvey managed to solicit a reluctant and retroactive blessing from Einstein's son, Hans Elbert, with the now familiar stipulation that any investigation would be conducted solely in the interest of science, Burrell later wrote. Harvey lost his job at the Princeton Hospital he'd been working at and relocated with Einstein's brain to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. 
This is where Harvey made the decision to cut Einstein's brain into some 240 pieces and preserve them into a hard, rubbery form of cellulose called soloidin. Harvey then consolidated the pieces into two separate jars and proceeded to store them in his basement. Harvey spent the next several years traveling the country for lectures, conferences, and conventions. When Harvey's wife threatened to dispose of the brain, he returned home early from a trip to retrieve it and took it with him to the Midwest. For a while, he worked as a medical supervisor in a biological testing lab in Wichita, Kansas, keeping the brain in a cider box stashed under a beer cooler. Harvey moved yet again, this time to Weston, Missouri, where he practiced medicine and continued to study Einstein's brain in his spare time. Ironically, Harvey lost his medical license in 1988 after failing a three-day competency exam. He then relocated to Lawrence, Kansas, where he took an assembly line job at a plastics factory, moved into a second-floor apartment next to a gas station, and befriended a neighbor, beat poet William Burroughs. The two men routinely met for drinks on Burroughs' front porch. Burroughs was an American writer and visual artist, credited as a primary figure of the Beat Generation and a major postmodern author who influenced popular culture and literature. Harvey would spin tales about Einstein's brain, about cutting off chunks to send to an array of researchers around the world. Burroughs, in turn, would boast to visitors that he could have a piece of Einstein anytime he wanted. Finally, in 1985, Harvey and several collaborating colleagues in California published and released their first report on their findings on Einstein's brain. This report claimed that the brain had an abnormal proportion of two types of cells, neurons and glia. The study was followed by five others, the most recent having been released in April of 2014, reporting additional differences in individual cells or particular structures in Einstein's brain. Since the release of the original study in 1985, scientists and historians have debated Harvey's findings. Did Einstein's brain really provide insight into his gifts and his unparalleled knowledge? Or did Harvey and those that worked with the brain have preconceived notions that they developed their work around and their data was skewed to support? Regardless of what divisive, debatable findings were released by Harvey, one point seems to resonate throughout all of the scholars who assess the outcomes. The immoral and unethical manner in which Harvey obtained Albert Einstein's brain and his use of it thereafter is bothersome and trumps most, if not all, of the scientific discoveries based around it. Regardless of his intentions, whether they were based around true scientific allure or morbid curiosity, Harvey certainly did not comply with Einstein's true wishes. Although Einstein's body was cremated less than 24 hours after his death, in a secret ceremony, family and close friends scattered Einstein's ashes along the Delaware River. Obviously, those ashes did not include his brain, which Harvey secured, or his eyes, which are now rumored to be in a safe deposit box in either New York or New Jersey, a rumor that is confirmed by the Smithsonian Institute and might just well serve as a future follow-up episode. In November of 2011, the Mutter Museum in Philadelphia received a call from Lucy Rourke Adams with an offer of one of Harvey's box of slides. Rourke Adams was a leader in pediatric neuropathology who retired in 2015 after 50 years at the Children's Hospital Philadelphia. Dr. Rourke Adams had received the box of slides from another neuropathologist who got it from another neuropathologist who had gotten it directly from Harvey. 
Due to the excitement over the donated specimens, the Mutter Museum was asked to get a working exhibit up in a matter of days. The slides have been on display ever since and form the only permanent exhibit of Einstein's brain in the world. While the story of Albert Einstein's brain, specifically its life after death tour, is both fascinating and in many ways tragic, maybe the most impressive element of this story are the premonitions that Einstein himself had. He understood all too well the public's obsession with him and our society's obsession with celebrities. He knew that if given the chance, scientists would pour over his brain's physical makeup and draw conclusions based on it, many of which would prove to be false. Einstein understood that an important component of science had to be the morals and standards of the scientists behind the work, and that could never be derived or determined from the examination of any human brain. Einstein wrote, Most people say that it is the intellect that which make a great scientist. They are wrong. It is character. This has been a missing chapter short, your quick fix for one of history's forgotten stories in a busy world. Listen to more shorts as well as full-length episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all other major podcast providers. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, I'm Phil Schaff. And I'm Phil Horander. Another chapter has been added to the history textbooks.